Yeah, tonight I, I want to speak to you tonight about, you know, we, 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 we're at church, we are the church, we talk about church, and, and uh, I, I like to speak to the, the point that, that the, the church is not a man-made idea, it's a God idea. It's not something we all decided to put together, it's biblical, uh, we've read about it, we know about it, we've lived it, and the whole thing. And, and what, I, what I love about the church, and, and especially being connected to his house, is what I, I receive from being connected to this house. So tonight I, I want to just speak quickly to the subject of what's found in his house. What do we find in his house? You know, uh, the song Amazing Grace goes, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And uh, I've got to tell you, for most of my life as a, as a person, I was lost. And uh, in other words, lost isn't a terrible thing. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you didn't know your purpose for being here. You didn't know your reason why you existed. Uh, you weren't in relationship with the creator of all things. You, you were on the planet and, and doing your thing, not sure why it's all taking place. And some of you were surprised to your parents. And, uh, and things took place and we just existed. We're here. And uh, it was in that journey back in the day that I started to reach out to find reason for being here. And at the end of the day, I, I found the Bible. A friend of mine um, had left his, I was surfing in Hawaii, um, and a good friend had just become a believer in Christ, and uh, he went home and he forgot his Bible, um, and so I thought I'd take it back to him. Um, I never did. I stole it. Um, did you know the Bible is the most stolen book on the planet? Um, and, uh, and I read it and started to read it, and, and it started to speak to me about, you know, you are lost, not bad, just lost, and, uh, and if you believed upon Jesus, you could become found. In other words, you'd find who you're meant to be. You'd find your purpose for being uh, in this world, that you'd have a reason to be here. You start to know the Creator that had created all things. And so once I was lost, but now I am found. But being found is much more than just being not lost. Being found is much more than being not just lost. In other words, um, if you lose a hundred dollars, and then you find the $100, it's exciting that the $100 is found, all right? But you don't throw that $100 in a drawer somewhere or, or lose it again. The reason you're excited that it's not lost is now it can be used for what it's found for. You see, the $100 has a purpose now. You, you, can, you can invest it, you can spend it, you can give it away, but it can be outworked in its purpose. So once we were lost, it wasn't that, that when we weren't lost anymore, that was the end of it, that God would put us in a drawer somewhere and we'd just crawl into heaven one day. No, when we became found, we now are found for a purpose. The $100 was found, it was exciting that it was found because it was found for a purpose. Uh, when I first got saved, Lee and I had just become Christians. We we're on holidays in New South Wales and we found this big lake. Uh, we started walking around and we'd walk on the edge sometimes, sometimes up to our knees. Uh, but we walked, you know, probably a couple hour walk around the lake and we came back. And as we got back to where we had started, I, I said to Lee, I said, um, hun, um, you must have the car keys. I don't have them. And she looked at me and said, no, no, I don't have them. You must have them. And I said, no, I don't have them. You must. And if you're married, you'll know this conversation. <laughs> you must have them. And she said, no, I don't have them. And I'm going, well, we, we must have lost them. Um, and we looked around like where we walked and I'm thinking, what are we, and this is, no, you, you're not going to believe this. This is in the day where there was no such thing as a mobile phone. That's right, like, ah, oh. or an iPad, there was nothing. We, had, we were stuck in the middle of nowhere, keys were lost in the water somewhere, and we had to do something about it. 
And I, I went through all my you know, thoughts of what we can do. And then Lee just says, well, why don't we pray? And I'd only been a Christian two weeks now. And I said, pray? This isn't church. We're in the middle of nowhere. We are stuck. The keys are lost. We're done. And then I again went through all my options. All right, let's pray. And then I said, well, it was your idea, you pray. She said, no, I'm not praying, you pray. I said, no, no, you know, if you're married, you'll know this conversation. <laughs> you pray. And so I said, all right, I'll pray. So I said, God, you can see the mess we're in, we're stuck, find the keys. That's all I had. I had no idea how to pray. I, I, I'd spent my whole life not knowing God, and now I just met him, and I'm not sure how it all works, and, but I prayed, and I said, you go that way, I'll go this way. And, um, and we started looking, and I probably took 20 steps in neat, deep water, and, and it, I don't think it really happened like this, but this is what I remember taking place. The water parted. <laughs> All right? It parted. And a, a, a sunbeam came over my left shoulder and hit the gold key ring. I reached into the water, picked it up, and threw in the air slowly for effect, <laughs> turned to Lee and said, "Hun, I knew he wouldn't let us down. <laughs> now, we are excited that the keys were no longer lost, but the reason we're excited that they were no longer lost is now that they're found, they could be used for their purpose. Right. So the idea of being found is much bigger than not being lost. Right. Yeah. It's being found for who you're meant to be. And in his house, the thing you will find in the church is your reason why you exist. Your identity, a son, a daughter of God. You're no longer confused about what the world puts labels on you. You know who you are. You find that in his house. You find out your reason to be here. Uh, God designed us for good works, not for evil, but for good works that we should walk in them. We've got a reason to be here beyond ourselves. We find this all by being planted in the house. When we get connected and we're serving and we're committed and we're praying and we're worshiping in the house, not just attending every now and then, but you start a desire to be a part of this. You start to find who you are and what God's called you to do. And then you start to find God's love for other people. You start to find out it's not just all about you. That God wants to bless you, why? So you can be a blessing. God wants you healed. Why? So you can bring healing to others. God wants you saved, sure, to get you to heaven, but He would hope that you would bring salvation to other people as well. See, a decision gets you to heaven. A disciple helps somebody else get there. So God's called us to, to find ourselves, find out His great love for other people, that we reach out to them. And tonight, I just want to quickly go over four other great things you find in the house of God that's so important. Number one, you find a greater sense of the presence of God. Together we find a greater sense of the presence of God, the power of God in the house of God, together. Uh, Psalm 84, verses one through four says this. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. Even a swallow a nest for herself. Well, you know, at City Point, Brisbane, we go further than that. We have possums as well. We have crows. They're all sugar addicted. We have butcher birds and we have koalas. All in the house of God. 
Even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, Lord, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. God doesn't only inhabit the praises of His people, He inhabits the people of praise. The Old Testament speaks about God inhabiting the praises of His people, but right now we are infested perfectly powerfully with the presence of God and God inhabits the people of praise. Where two or more are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I will be in the midst. There's a sense of a greater power of the presence of God when we're together. He's in our midst with corporate worship, with prayer, with common vision, unity, all of that commands a blessing. The faith, the atmosphere that can come together, it's much more powerful individually when we're together than when we are alone. That comes from corporate worship of being in His house together. Together, we have a platform for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to be evident. Miracles take place. Breakthroughs, healings take place. They're the result of the power of God when we get together. And together, when lacking in our own faith, and I love this about church, lacking in our own faith, when we're in our own brokenness, we have a people that surround us in prayer and encouragement. A people that look after one another and find out the power of God can be evident through them as well to those people. You know, today I want to tell you here to bear the burden of other people. In the house of God, we find the power of God. You know, Jesus said, pray like this. My kingdom come, my will be done. You know what the kingdom of God is? A kingdom is where the power and the presence of the king reigns. That's what a kingdom is. The power and the presence of the king reigns. The second part of a kingdom is the community of the king, all right? It's the values he instills in how to do life together. So every time we pray, thy kingdom come, what we're saying is, and Jesus said to pray like this, he said, pray that thy kingdom come, that my power and my presence would come to the earth, that my community and values would saturate the people of God. That comes through being in the house together. I wanna tell you today, some of the greatest moments I've ever had in in connecting with God have been right here in the seat of a service on a Sunday that no one else knew nothing about, but I met with God. There is a great presence and power of the King in His house. The second thing we find in the house tonight is we find the community of the King (laughs) together. Acts chapter 2, 44 through 47 says this, Now all who believed were together. See, they're not alone. They were together. They had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anybody had a need. So continuing daily with one accord in church and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is all about doing life together. You know, um, I've shared this before. I'm not sure if I've shared it at night, but uh, every year I go fishing on Fraser Island with a bunch of guys. And um, this particular year we went, and I don't know if you know, we we fish off the beach. We we carry like a sack on our back because you catch a lot of fish. Uh, The way you catch uh, Taylor, the fish we carved, you've got to cut their throats fairly quickly and bleed them, and then you put them in this sack. Um, and so it gets pretty heavy. This particular time, there was a bunch of guys, maybe 20 of us, um, and um, we went out into a, a sort of a sandbar, and we were catching a lot of fish, and we hadn't realised that the, uh, the tide was coming in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we sort of looked, and there was blood everywhere in the water, because now our sacks were starting to float, 
and the fish blood was now everywhere. And we all sort of, and I didn't know everybody there. We all sort of looked at each other, maybe it's time to go back to shore. And as we thought that, a huge fin appeared. Big, big fin. It was a big shark. And our dilemma wasn't that it was there, it was that the water was so deep it could go all the way around us. You've never seen a group of men get so close together. There was no homophobic problems that day. We got as close together as men could and still stay married. We were that close. And the reason being is that we knew that the safest position was in the middle. So everybody was vying for the middle, pushing others to the side. But together we realized that our shot to get back to shore is together, and so we got together and we walked slowly back to shore together. I am so glad I wasn't out there alone on that day. Can I tell you today, together we are stronger, better, and greater. The house of God is about being together. You find things in common. You outwork the plans and the mission of God. I mean, back in the days when Acts was written, I mean, they, they sold each other when somebody had a need and they couldn't afford it. They went and had a garage sale, sold something to help somebody out. They were tight. They were connected to each other. They worshipped at church on Sundays and they hung out at each other's house during the week, not complaining or whining, but praising God. I know this, that if you grow alone, you will grow weak and you will grow weird. You will grow weak and you will grow weird. That's why we have life groups. That's why people can get together in large gatherings and small gatherings, because we know to be connected to each other is such an important part of doing the community of God. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, beseech you to talk, to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. There's this whole sense right through Ephesians and a lot of Paul's writings about the need to make sure we're caring for everybody around us, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's only one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We need to be planted, connected in the house of God because that's where our strength is. Together, we are strong. The third thing you'll find in the house of God that I want to speak to you tonight is you'll find right believing. Right believing. (laughs) That we live in an information age and who knows, everything on the internet is not true. You just just can't, I mean, it's just not real out there. The the, the wrong facts, the wrong doctrines, the wrong things, everybody's putting their spin on things. You've got to come to a place where you find right believing, where you know what the truth is and how it operates. And in the house, I've found this, you find right believing. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse one says this. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God to draw near to what? Here rather than to give sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they do, what they do evil. Man, walk prudently to the house of God and draw near to here. First Timothy chapter four, verse 13 says this, till I come, Paul speaking to a young, a young man who just finished internship. It says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. 
So important. If you are confused with your Christian walk, it's because you don't know enough of what God says in the Bible. If you want to get through depression or anxiety in the most significant way, and I'm not just saying there are people that have seriously conditions of anxiety, but if you're just feeling anxious, I want to tell you, you should know the Word of God. It will bring peace to your soul. In the house, you draw near to hear. See, why is that? Because faith comes by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, I, and, and not just, it's not about just hearing a preach. Uh, I mean, you can come to church and nod off and you're probably not gonna do you much good. You can come to church and probably chat to the girl next door to you trying to get her attention. But if you actually hear what God is saying to you through the preach, if you pick up the one thing the Holy Spirit's trying to say to you, then you'll receive faith. Faith comes by hearing the words of God. And when you hear the words of God, it starts to change the condition of your heart. Faith comes by hearing. Why is this important? Proverbs 23 verse seven says this, for as he thinks in his heart, not his head, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think from your heart, whatever you think in your heart, so you are. As a man believes in his heart, so he is. So to grow spiritually, to become different, to move out of a messy past into a brighter future, you've got to allow God's Word to bring faith to your heart so you believe the right things. And when you believe the right things, your outside actions start to change. That's how you know your faith is. See, faith doesn't live in your head. Faith lives in your heart. Faith is not what you think you know. Faith is what you know when you don't think. It doesn't live here, it lives here. And we live out of here. You might think you think, but I want to tell you, you move out of what you believe. You don't get what you think about life, you get what you believe about life. And if you want to change what you get, you've got to change not just your thinking, but your believing. And how you change your believing is by the words that come from God. Because faith produces, God's Word produces faith in our heart. Faith transforms our belief systems, breaks the wrong life patterns around us, deals with our hurts and disappointments. Unless we are growing and changing, the, <laughs> the enemy uses his best weapon against us, our predictability. The best weapon the enemy has against us is our predictability. You know that same thing he gets you on every time? That same pattern that you go through, that same thing you say you're gonna give up or not be a part of, but you end up there. He knows how to get you through that predictability. So what we've got to do is allow faith to come in through right believing to change who we are on the inside and the devil can have no part of us on the outside. There's a belief system that has to change. It's God's Word that brings truth and His truth sets us free. God's Word tells us the truth. Faith gets us to do the truth. God's Word tells us the truth. Faith gets us to do the truth. And in anything in life, you can't just know something, you've got to do something as well. I mean, I would love it that every time I read a diet, I lost two kilos. <laughs> if I just, I know all the diets. Doesn't mean a thing. And I want to tell you, I know all the gym routines. I wish if I just knew them, I'd look like Chris Ensby. <laughs> I just want to just know, just do it, no. So you've got to know the truth. That's what the Word of God brings to us. But that moves to our heart and faith causes you to do the truth. 
Faith is what gets. See, faith is a, not a passive word. You, you can't have passive faith. It's like saying you have a vegetarian white pointer. Sharks are not vegetarians. You can't have passive faith. You can't have a vegetarian white pointer shark. The only one time I was being attacked by a shark down in Fingal a number of years ago as I saw the fin turn towards me when I was surfing, I started to paddle straight for that shore. I want to tell you right now, he was not after my board shorts. You can't have passive faith and you've got to have the right word being spoken in. You've got to have the right believing around your life because what you believe is who you are. What you believe is what you do. See, most of the times we make a decision it's already predetermined what we believe. So most of the time we make the same decision over and over again until we change a belief system. Know the truth. Do the truth. You don't live what you think. You live what you believe. In the house, you find right believing. In his house, you find right believing. See, if you act upon, whatever you act upon, you reinforce. You act in fear, you reinforce fear. You act in anger, you reinforce anger. You act in love, you reinforce love. You act in faith, you reinforce faith. You've got to get the right things to start with to take you down the right road. And the last thing I want to speak to you tonight about is about being found in the house. You will find your future generationally. You'll find your future generationally. I, I pray that if you're single, you find your marriage partner in this church. And I'm going to give you some advice on how to do this. Join a life group or serve in the house. I want to tell you, you'll have better chance of winning the opposite sex doing that rather than the pickup uh, pick tips on TikTok. You'll have a better shot by finding that person, by joining a life group, or serving in the house. See, in the house, we can find our future. And that's if you want to get married. You don't have to. But if you do, this is the place you should be looking. Uh, if I was a young man or woman in Brisbane, I'd be at this church, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> this is the best-looking church in all of Brisbane. Smartest, fittest, bulkiest, hairiest. We got it all. Families. It's funny. I, I, I come to the 830 service now and there's all these people that just a couple of years were at the 6 p.m. service. They're all here like you, single, hanging out, trying to work out which one you liked, which one you didn't like. and It's all happening. And, and now they're married with a couple of kids running around in front of them. And I thought, well, that's just what church is about. It's generation to generation. It's, it's, it's making a difference now and into the future. It's a part of who we're meant to be. It's not an event. Proverbs 13, 22 says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I, I, I think most people think that means they're going to leave him the house or the car, but I want to tell you, the inheritance we should be leaving to our children and our children's children is our example and our believing. That's an inheritance, our example and our believing. Letting the next generation build upon our foundation to a whole new level. How we live our lives affects and impacts future generations. 
Well, I don't have any kids yet, Pastor Mark. No, but if you're 25, you can have a great effect on a 15-year-old. Well, I'm only 15. Well, you can have a great effect on an eight-year-old. See, the church works generationally. And in the house, we find our need and our value in reaching out to the generation below us. So we need to leave everybody. Everybody can leave an inheritance of faith for somebody else. And it's that inheritance of faith that will empower them to go into their God-given future, to help them get through life's challenges and the devil's attacks. See, tonight I want to tell you, this church thing that we talk about, this church thing we're involved in, is not a man idea, it is a God idea. We need to be found in His house. Connect your kids to the house. Because if you don't, they will connect to something else and you might not like what they connect to. Let's get them excited about the house of God. And as I finish tonight, I'm going to read Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. And it says this, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun, a shield. The Lord will give you grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. You know, there's something special about being connected to the house of God. When I I became a believer in Jesus, my first role in the house was standing on the door welcoming people. I never thought I'd be able to preach. I, I was fearful of preaching or talking in front of people. That was not my gift at all. Uh, I, I knew that for a start, but I could, I could, I could stand on the door. And, and I, my whole mission on a Sunday morning was, by the time they got past me, they're feeling good about life and they're ready to worship the King. That was my whole goal on a Sunday morning. I loved it. It's a great job. I watched this one couple walk in that night and you could tell they had a fight in the car. <laughs> you, you could tell that they were not getting on that well. And they got to me and I started to talk to them and, and they could see as they walked past, they're feeling better about life. And that was a good thing because that was the pastors. <laughs> I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than spend my time in the tents of the wicked. I can help somebody here, I can bless somebody, I can build them a hamper, I can rescue them out of trafficking, I can be a part of what God wants to do and bring to the earth. Be confident in the blessings that come to those who are found, planted, involved in the house of God. There is blessing upon it, be assured of that. There is no doubt that if we want to keep our soul, our heart and our minds in the best possible condition, then being found in His house has an enormous part to play. Our gatherings, both big and small, are a vital part of our best future. His people connected to His house. Jesus didn't leave the disciple, He left the disciples. There's a sense of together in that. And I guess the question I'm gonna finish on tonight is, remember that $100? I said it was great that it was no longer lost, but it was gonna go into its purpose of being found Remember those keys that I found in the lake? It was great they were no longer lost, but I invested them or used them in the purpose of starting the car to get us to our destination. The question I have for everybody here tonight is how will you use your foundness? (laughs) You're no longer lost, but how will you use your foundness? What will you do with it? Lay it in a drawer somewhere and wait to to God to take us to heaven? What, What are you gonna do with your foundness today? See, once I was lost, but now I was found. 
I wasn't a bad person, wasn't a terrible person, but I knew I wasn't found. My life had no real meaning attached to it. My job was okay, everything was going pretty smoothly, but there was something missing on the inside and it was purpose, it was reason, it was relationship with the Creator. Tonight, you might be lost like I was, not a bad person at all, but tonight you can be found. Found means you find your reason, your identity, your future. You're forgiven of your past. Your sins are washed away, your mistakes. You've got a brand new start in life and God is with you. He said He'd never leave you nor forsake you. You can be found tonight by believing upon Jesus. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads tonight? Right across this auditorium. Today, if you'd say in your heart, you know what, I'm not a believer in Jesus, but I wanna make that decision tonight. Or maybe it's more like I, you know, I was, but I don't know, I went another direction, but here I am and something's coming alive again. Maybe you're not sure about death, where you'll be when that takes place afterwards. Maybe you're reaching out. See, I don't know what problems you're facing right now. I don't know what challenges stand in your future, but I do know this, that Jesus will be the beginning and the end of every answer you will ever need. Tonight, I'm gonna pray with people tonight. Those who wanna say, you know what, I wanna be found tonight. I wanna believe upon Jesus. I'm not gonna embarrass anybody here tonight, but I'd love to pray with you. Because I know how important this opportunity was for my life. And most of the people in this congregation of thousands and thousands of people have made this decision and would just back me up and say it's the best decision they've ever made. I'd love to pray with you tonight. If you say, you know what, Mark? I wanna believe upon Jesus. I'd like you right now, wherever you're seated, eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Just lift your hand and give me a wave. Say, you know what? Pray with me tonight where I sit. I wanna know Jesus. I wanna come back. I wanna recommit my life. As I look across the crowd tonight, so from, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, in the middle, thank you, that's a great decision right there. At the back, I can see your hand right at the back there. Others tonight, if that's you, slip your hand up. We're about to pray with you tonight. We're about to pray with you. It's not the end, it's the beginning of something amazing. One more time as I look right now, I wanna make sure I didn't miss anybody. This is so important to God. Just look, one more time, slip your hand up and say, you know what? Include me in this moment, pray with me tonight. So look, right across one more time. Thank you at the back, great decision there as well. Lord, as I looked, I saw uh, some hands go up, but it's not what you saw. You saw their hearts, their humanness, and you saw it open up towards you. And the Word of God to mankind, says that when we believe upon Him, we shall be saved. Saved out of our past, saved into our future. We become so close with God, we become a son, a daughter of the Most High. And I know the Bible declares that even when one comes home, heaven stops what it's doing and it rejoices. So I know right now that above all things, heaven's rejoicing over these people and so is Jesus. Father, we thank you for them right now in Jesus' mighty name. And all that agreed said, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people tonight. Welcome to the kingdom of God.